Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. That being said, I think I would like to start with a scripture that kind of I thought of during worship today. Um, as we review, even looking in these past few weeks, we've talked about these seemingly controversial statements that are written throughout our Bible, which is our scripture, and um, um, things written down by Peter and by Paul, stuff breathed of the Holy Spirit into our, into our Bible, but the tense that they use is past tense, as if it's already freely been fully given to us in order for us to grab onto these, this reality by faith and establish what true reality is supposed to be here on the earth as is in heaven. And, um, you know, there's something that it's written by the hand of Paul in Colossians 1, and he's communicating this, this, the beauty of this new covenant of giving thanks in Colossians 1.12 to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. And I'm looking at this, and as I'm and I was reading it or thinking through it this morning during during their set during the music, and um, but just like it's past tense, He's already transferred us, conveyed us, you know, translated us, you know, the way that word really uh, means, into a different reality, into the kingdom of His Son. He's transferred us out of darkness and into light already. And so when we think back through Christian history and we look at the story of Saul bin Laden, like we have been, you know, somebody who's terrorizing and persecuting and killing Christians, he gets enveloped into light itself. So he's in another reality and he's struck blind. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now he's writing this like, hey, you know, because God said, hey, is it, is it hard for you? I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goats? This is the same man, right, in Galatians 1, who says, when it pleased him to reveal his son in me, again, past tense, that this finished work has already been accomplished, and I'm fighting against something that cannot be fought against because it's already established in the a real world, which is in the heavenly or in the spirit realm. <laughs> It's already done and finished. And now as, as the people of the earth realm, the humans that are the go-between, we are the ones that are called to establish and release that reality into this, into this realm. And we've been given the authority to do it. And so here he is saying that, and here he is writing it to the Colossians, which I think Colossians is probably the most mystical book in the Bible. It's up there with Hebrews, but it's so profoundly mystical. Um, but it's like he's saying he's past tense. He's already conveyed us or transferred us out of this darkness into, his, into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his beloved son. It's something that's already finished. Like this whole grace message was like, hey, you can't work yourself into this. But by working yourself to try to get into, us, into this, you abide in something that is dead and gone and perishing. You know? And so he's like, you can't. You have, to, you have to actually accept what has been done by grace. And this is what actually will transform you into who you truly are and were before the foundations of the earth. Amen. And it's just, it's this really uh, beautiful sentiment that these guys that are writing so much of our Bible 
are, are writing it as if it's in the past and it's already finished, done, and accomplished. And this is the game. This is the game of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do this and then you will be like. It's, it's, it's unlearning the poison from that fall and learning to accept what actually has been done. We are resting our way into our actual seat. Amen. You know? It's, it's, it's wild. You know, I read something this week and, and I was talking to Steve about it. Oh, we went on a, we went, you know, a group of, it was the elders breakfast and we were talking in the car on the way there. It's not for today. But it's like I've read Ephesians 2 probably, I don't know, probably a hundred times to be honest, just you know, somewhere in there. Like I've read it so much in my whole life. And, and we have the same guy, the Apostle Paul, writing something there that when I read this week randomly, it, it really hit me, hit me hard because he says this in Ephesians 2.4, But God who's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ. Now this is profound. I've read it so many times. I mean, on repeat. I've taught it so many times. We've done like, you know, the Watchman Nee study, uh, Sit, Walk, Stand, his book. This brilliant, incredible book. We've done it as a house. A lot of our groups did that a few, few years back. You know, so profound. You know, but there was something in there I didn't really see. And it's the Apostle Paul saying something. Who, who would have the right not to say this but Saul bin Laden? So for him to say it, he had been so converted in mind and heart and body and was demonstrating the power of this other realm. And he's saying this, like, hey, listen, God's so rich in mercy and great love. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. And then he tags, by grace, you've been saved. Saying, in other words, even when you're at your, in your darkest state, he, he made you alive in Christ then. Not like once you repent and once you acknowledge that you're a sinner and once you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit or maybe before you got to get a water baptism first or maybe you need to get sprinkled first or maybe blah, 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 religion, religion, puke, puke. You know what I mean? But what he says is like, when you were, you were made alive and tags it. By grace, you've been saved. And that's written in every single translation of every Bible that's in this room. You know? And he's nailing this thing home that's so brilliant and not only that, he tags on verse 6. By grace you've been saved, you've been made alive, and you've been seated in the heavenly places in Christ. This isn't when you die, say the prayer, and you get to go. You know what I mean? It's just like he has, mankind is living in a burning house. It's on fire, and it is going to be completely consumed, and, and it is on, it's in route to full and complete destruction. You know, and while you're in that sinful state where the wages of that sin has breathed and, and released the poison of the fallen death into our human state of this world, which we which we had authority over and gave it to the enemy, you know, he's done something that transferred us into the kingdom of light. Even while we were dead, he made us alive, and not only that in Christ, he seated us in another realm that is so much more real than this one. And this is true. It's not what was it? Already, but not yet. It's not that. This is here and now. And so mankind has been transferred into the kingdom of light and seated in heaven. And here's the reality. Um, 
somebody's perishing, dying in this burning house, unconscious to who they truly are, knocked out asleep, carbon dioxide poison or smoke, whatever you want to call it, and somebody has come in into the depths of humanity, grabbed a hold of it, and pulled humanity into an a completely different reality, a place that is vibrant, that is alive, it is eternal, it is safe. There is provision there. There is wholeness there. It is full of light and pulled him all the way out into it. Boom. And that's the reality of where we're sat. Seated, seated, sat. You catch it, you know? That's reality. But still not conscious of that reality. Still unconscious. And the consciousness is actually still in the burning house. But the essence, the person, is actually been transferred into something different and safe. Yeah. And this is a wake, O sleeper, rise from the dead of Isaiah. This is, this is like, you know, arise, your light has actually come, the glory is on you, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Yes, it was the cross, but it is the people of God, and that's the reality of this thing. And most people, even Christians, live their life asleep in that burning house, and they never realize... They live their life asleep, accepting it as it truly is. It withers away, it dies, right? And then they wake up and realize they're on that other side. And good thing I said that prayer. No. Think of it, man. The reality is we're called to awaken to some, another reality that not only is our consciousness here, but we are, we are called to come awake in the place of where we are seated. No longer working to get there. By grace, what, what Paul's saying, you've been fully saved, transferred into the kingdom of this light. You're seated in, in Christ in the heavenly places. Above all rule and authority and power over this, this realm, and you have a dual citizenship, a dual consciousness that is both there and it is here. And then Jesus' prayer takes a whole lot more than just a, a pregame ritual. It comes into something, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, separate be your name. May your kingdom come on the earth as it is in heaven. Let the citizens of heaven usher the kingdom of heaven into the earth. The book of Revelation, the new Jerusalem is coming out of heaven into the earth. And everybody in the galaxies and planets see it happening. Except for the sleeping American. Oh, uh, 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 I was going to say well, white people. I don't know why I was saying that, but the sleeping uh, um, humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, golly. I've been called white boy my whole life, so maybe that's why I, th I thought that. You know, hey, white boy. So that's just like my nickname, one of them, one of the many. Anyhow, too much information. The reality is the awakening happens when we realize, oh, Something's happened. We have authority. We're seated with him there and we're here on the earth. And there's a go-between. You know, this, this Jesus calling himself Jacob's ladder in John 1. To the, you will see the angels of ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The messengers ascending and ascending. In other words, the ladder will be on the earth. Remember, in, in the book of uh, Genesis, the ladder was set up on the earth reaching to heaven. The way Jacob saw it is on the earth. The go-between, the portal. That was Jesus come down onto the earth. But he is the ladder, and he's like, you'll go from the earth to heaven and come back. There will be those who actually, the, 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 the passageway between these realms will be open again. You will take that which is here and release it there. You know, you will, be, you will walk in this reality. It's not just a prayer. You're having your kingdom coming. It is a lifestyle that we are called to live and believe. And that's the reality. That's the real conflict in the world is the war over what is true 
and what the war over reality. Yeah. And by faith, you know what I'm saying, we step into this reality. Amen. Right? That Hebrews uh, 13, or actually, excuse me, Hebrews 11 is like, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that that which is seen was made of that which is unseen. By faith we understand that this whole house, this whole burning house of the earth, was framed in by the word of God. It's, it's lesser in reality than that which created it. And we're supposed to, by faith, understand, like Elon Musk, that this world is the matrix. That was a little bit of a joke. But honestly, that this world is lesser than the reality of the eternal realm. But that we are actually, God's making all things new, and we are called to be his conduits that release the other realm into this realm. Yeah. And this is truth. This is the reality. This is the essence of what even Laurel was talking about, what the gospel really, truly is. And faith is the substance of these things that we hope for. It's the evidence of these things not seen. It's this, faith is not just some weird quote that we just can't understand because it's so strange, but it sounds really cool and mystical. You know what I mean? It is this, this, this solid foundation, this landing pad, the substance, the substrate, the, the massive flooring that is cleared out in hope and in and, and partnership with heaven to usher that which is in the unseen into the seen realm. Because by faith we understand that this world was framed like a picture by something more real, by the word of God himself. You know what I'm saying? It's really interesting. And so these guys in the Bible, these authors that God picked, you know what I mean? Who had more of a right to be beat down with shame and humility and embarrassment for their actions and who their old identity was. If it wasn't the Apostle Paul, I don't know who it would have been. If it wasn't, we're joking, we called him Saul bin Laden, and I hope you know he doesn't slap me upside the head one of these days, you know. But you know, I'm just literally saying that, not to make fun, but to, to give us a picture of like he was. When you think of Osama, you think of the worst of the worst, a killer, a terrorist, uh, someone full of hatred and bad ideologies and all those things. But that's what I'm trying to compare, Paul formerly Saul, too, when we say that, you know, who gets enveloped in this light, and he says, we've been transferred into the kingdom of this light. And it's like, yeah, you realized it, dude. He realized it in his worst state. He was on the way, and he got enveloped in that light, you know? And yet, we still find ourselves being dealing with things like condemnation, Romans 8, 1, which Paul wrote, there is no condemnation in this reality. You know what I mean? We still find ourselves dealing with shame and feeling disqualified. All these things that he's like, no, 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 you, you don't feel this way. And who felt more condemnation and shame for three days sitting there in the dark, blinded, than old Saul? Thinking about how crooked. You know, the only other person I could think of who had a really dark, dark three days is Peter. His last words to the one he was supposed to be his young leader, like he was supposed to be protecting. He was like, I'll die with you. He already showed he'll whip the sword out and, and, and wail that thing around, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, he's like, I don't bleeping know him. I don't bleeping know him. Leave me alone. Can you imagine the look between you and Jesus knowing that you just sold out your whole heart? And then three days of darkness, the failure, but also that's the last connection I have to my to the one who made me come alive. That saw me as something when everyone else saw me as rascal and I even saw myself as a man with unclean lips and dirty rotten. That's the one 
who, who saw something else and gave me, saw something brilliant in me that I didn't see in myself. And I just sold him out. And for three days, that's your reality. What's worse, Saul's blind? Blind as a bat, Saul, or, or Peter? I, don't, I really don't know. I really don't know. But Jesus comes back to him, doesn't he? And he jumps off of his boat, tries to swim up on him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you like me a lot? You know, all these things, you know, these terms or whatever. But do you, do you really love me? Hey, feed my sheep. He's, he says like, hey, I haven't given up on you, but there was darkness and there was a sifting that was happening in you. And guess what? I knew it before it ever even happened. So there's another person that gets free of shame and condemnation and self-hatred even because, wow, not only did I not disappoint you, you actually saw that that was in my heart from the get-go and you're still choosing me. And not only that, then you come back cook breakfast on the beach and you give me a role to play in your kingdom on the earth. So here we got the two of the captains of the team who are the, the, the first two that should have been cut in our mind. Why is that written the way that's written? For us. You know, say la. You dig? <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's like, dude, what is, what is going on? What is the deal with that? The war over reality, what is finished and what's not. Man, I love when you look at Peter is the one who steps into this past tense. Um, he speaks in past tense, right? It's like he gets the same reality. We've been conveyed into this kingdom of, his son, of the son of his love. He gets the Ephesians 2, 6, like, no, 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 no. While we were in the deepest pit of darkness, he transferred us. Not only that, did he save us, he gave us life. He sat us in a place that is so holy and pure that only the high priest could even go into the, that corner of the temple once a year with a ton of sacrifices. Now he's all pulled us unconscious into that place. We didn't have a say-so in it. He's, mankind is not a universalist. I know that's going to tweak people's minds, but there is still going to be free choice and people are still going to walk away. I don't see how, but I, I mean, I, it seems like that. But in, in reality, like he's done something that is so finished that all, all we have to do is to just accept it. Yeah. It's like, believe it or just like, actually just accept it, man. Yeah. And then you step into the mystical reality that is this covenant. You know why a lot of people see visions and go into trances and have visions and then they start having dreams and all this stuff? And I know there's a lot of people that say, well, God doesn't speak to me like that, but I believe he speaks to Josh like that. I hear that all the time. I had a pastor say that to me this week. It's ridiculous. It's foolishness. It's not Christianity. You know what I mean? But um, he wasn't saying it to me, but he was saying it around me. And so I grabbed him. No, I didn't really. I just was like, oh, okay. I was quiet. <laughs> you know, but, um, <clears throat> but do you know why people have them and they step into prophetic giftings and all that stuff? Because they look for them. Because they choose to open them. Like, oh, we can do that? Like, yeah. But I thought it was a special guy that has a big podcast. Like, no. Mm -mm. I thought it was the one who studied the Bible the most. Like, no, 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 no. Like, like, God has gifted and qualified people into things beyond their capacity to understand. You know? And, and we're not even barely tapping the, uh, you know, 90%, you know, 10% of, of the capacity of our human brain the way it was created. 
And that's real talk right there. You know what I mean? Like this thing has been limited in a way that it's never supposed to have been. And we're called to step into it. And there's only one way. There's only one true way. And that's to accept that it's been given. The voice of the Lord has been given to us. Mankind was depraved and was made sick and fallen. You know, but that's what Isaiah 53 was about. About what, about he was wounded for our transgressions by his stripes. We were actually healed by him. That, that it's actually talking about healing there. But Peter, he goes on and he quotes it in 1 Peter 2. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And I love a big brother talking to me directly, you know, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, by his stripes we have been healed, you know. He says, you. He takes it and says, no, you. Well, not me, but so-and-so. I know what happens in other countries sometimes. (laughs) No, no. There's a war over reality. There's a reason that laugh because it's true. I'm the same way. It's like, because you know that's the way it's, it's like, well, I can believe that, but let me just section it away from me so I'm not in unbelief. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, belief has to be here or, or it's not real. You know what I mean? But the reality is, you know, something we've been talking about lately, um, and even through the the parable of the seeds in the sower, you know, of of Mark 4, right? The four different types of seed. That one type of seed that goes onto the good ground, it breeds 30, 60, and 100 fold. You know what I mean? It's brilliant. Now, there's one one that Satan, where it says the, the accuser comes and he snatches. These seeds are the words of the kingdom, the truth of our reality that we're called to actually grow within us and manifest into the earth as the garden of God. As those who have been made, created in the image of God, breathed by the life of God, and created of the dust of that same garden of Eden, you know, that was literally made to bear fruit of the kingdom words. But that accuser, I keep saying accuser, I know, it sounds real redneck up here. But the accuser comes and he snatches that thing out, and that's accusation it comes and it's like no it's too good to be true that can't be there's got to be a logical reason out of that it's that religious voice that's easy to disprove by the scripture anyways but not by human experience and that's the war but it's like yeah and it's like just don't even pay attention to that that's one fourth of the seed the other fourth what was it is it gets really excited but it doesn't have any root in it so in the persecution or the tribulation or the opposition comes because of the seed they give up and check out, right? What was the, the third one? Was uh, the, the thoughts and cares of this world, the, 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 the thorns and the, and the weeds um, come and choke the thing out. The thoughts, you know, the priorities. And this is literally talking about our hearts as those who are literally created to manifest heaven on the earth. Receiving everything that Jesus has spoken to us, everything that is word, that the word of God has come into us to manifest. And it's teaching us that we are gardeners just like Adam was, just like Eve. And we have, we have the responsibility to cultivate these seeds, not only to sow them, which is true and good, but it's, there's something deeper, like it's within our own hearts. We are called to cultivate this reality in this life. And to stand for this and not to accept anything less than it. And that's real, true Christianity. It means that even in the thoughts of our heart and our mind, we actually saturate ourselves with His Word, with His truth, with this reality, and we expect it by faith. You know? 
And when that accuser, I say, when the accuser comes, when that, accu when that old accuser comes at you now, you know, when the accuser comes, uh, that's the Greek pronunciation. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, he, it's Aramaic. Uh, but, like, when that comes at you, it's like you take thoughts captive that, that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. Amen. It's like the war is between the ears. You know what I mean? It's a war of belief. Um, you know, it, <coughs> it's true. But <clears throat> the, other, the other aspects of things that choke the world, the thoughts and cares of this world, the priorities that come and choke the deceitfulness of riches, all these things that come and cause us not to really, it's like we got to weed our garden. Amen. One thing that is so important for us as Christians is remaining in faith in our entire life and no matter what the scenario, is continually sowing the seed of life in our world, in our garden, the garden of our heart and of our families and in our surrounding world. That is so crucial as we are the garden. We are eating on the earth. Amen. However, the other aspect is actually cultivating that garden. It's pulling out all those rocks. You know what I mean? It's having patience, long-suffering, and, and locking in when opposition comes instead of being weak about it and saying, oh, no, it's just too much for me, saying, no, I don't care what the world is saying is reality. You know, I don't care if I've been, oh, you're dying, this is anxiety, it's really normal, you have issues, and da-da-da-da. Like, I don't care that somebody professional tells me that because God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. Amen. He's given me a spirit of power and He's given me a spirit of love. And there's one other thing He's given me, which is really missed, sound and clear and powerful mind. Amen. Well, he's got this bad ADD program and she's, she's doing all these bad things at school and all these stuff. It's like, yeah, but, but we have the authority as the gatekeepers of this world, of the, of, of the go-between of heaven and earth, to continually speak even into our family the reality of the soundness of mind and the peace yeah. that passes understanding. It's like, it's like the war is reality and we've got to release that seed yeah. and not accept it. When it comes against you like a flood, to realize, hey, this is an opportunity. When you think about James and stuff these guys are writing, like be rejoicing in these trials because it's causing your faith to grow deep and be strong. It's like, what? Then it's like, oh, wait a second. This is the whole Bible, and they're all talking like this. Yeah. It's like, let your faith be strong. Rejoice in your trials. Understand that you're actually here to enforce the reality of the finished work. Yes. The apostles said they were on trial because of the resurrection. That's what they used to say. That's what they were on trial because, because the resurrection was another word people really fight about, that word justification, you know, that Romans 4.25. It's like it was proof that Jesus accomplished everything that he said he accomplished. And they were on trial because they knew if we can discredit that, we can discredit everything else these guys are saying. But here's, uh, you know, old uh, Peter who's completely selling out the Lord, you know, Cursing, you know, all, you know, whatever he's, you know, all three dark days of feeling like probably the most rotten person on the earth. He might as like, well, Judas is worse than me at least, but I'm second place. You know what I mean? And then by Pentecost, he's confident enough to stand up and raise up in front of everybody and, and say, hey, listen, this is what happened. You know, and 3,000 people got saved, gave their hearts to the Lord. The power came. It's this beautiful reality because of what Jesus has done that these guys are stepping into, and I think it's for us. I'm obviously not using my message, but <clears throat> the thing is this. is like, 
I want us to come to a place like what mature Christianity looks like is being excellent gardeners. And if it doesn't belong, uprooting it. And a lot of growth happens by confronting the things that should not be there. The fears, the insecurities, well, my brain doesn't work and I I can't do this. It's like we've accepted limitations and I know it. I know that's hitting. We've accepted limitations on ourselves that God never intended. We've accepted diagnoses that are not in his will. You know what I mean? And I'm not even talking about medical. I'm talking about mental. I'm talking about all kinds of things that we accept that he would never have us accept. Because by accepting diagnosis of this world, reject the reality of what he's done. You know what I mean? Like somebody has to have that authority. You know, Peter shows up and because we're always thinking, here's the way I see like us in our garden. I see us in our garden, each of us in this place where we're called to cultivate something in the moment, in the here and now. But so many times people get trapped into thinking, I just wish I had this and then I could go to my next step. Or gets, you know, they, they can't live in the present because they're either just so burnt in their past and that's still living through them because they haven't processed it with God and actually released the healing and separated themselves from it. Or they want to get somewhere and they don't know how to get there and so they're just kind of sitting frozen and chosen. But in reality, what's right there around us, man, there's, Bill's not here today because he had a big uh, convention for his sauce, right? Bill Gilcrease, he says something that I absolutely love and I'll probably say it wrong, but he says, everything you need is right where you need it, right when you need it. But he says it real fast. Talk to him sometimes. Everything you need is right where you need it, when you need it. He says something like that, right? So he's, he's awesome, but it's true. Like God has actually given us, and this is what Peter says, right? In 2 Peter chapter 1, he says he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Hey, he's like saying, hey, don't, don't fall into the trap that something's missing that you need. Because God is with you right here and right now, and everything he has for you is right here and right now. I was like, yeah, but I need to get to my next step, and I just need a, I just need a, I just need a Jonathan. I'm a David, and I just need a Jonathan to come help me get to my spot. You ever heard that or got that prep word? It's wrong. It's, the reality is Jesus is the son of David. He's the David. We're the Jonathans who recognize David. We recognize God in, each, in, in, in other people. And that unlocks doors for us as well. Um, we, we grow and we move by releasing and by giving, not by taking and consuming. People that are prone to taking and consuming and just always me, 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 help me, help me, serve me, minister to me, they're always in the same boat year and year and year after year in this Christian walk, you know. And so, uh, so that's that. But the reality is like, there's, there's stuff in our surroundings in faithfulness and walking to the Lord that He's already accomplished, that He's wanting us to cultivate, and it unlocks the next step. And some of it is learning to come into agreement with His Word in all things. And those lies that are scattered around, whether it's the accusing birds that come and snatch the seed, whether it's the thoughts and cares of this world and the, the mentalities of the earth and fears and anxieties, uprooting those things or those stones that cause us to feel good at one moment but not actually double down when it's time to actually walk through it and recognizing that the trial is actually a promotion whatever it is it's being faithful to the word of the lord in the here and now it unlocks the next phase of our life and this is where we're at this is probably we're going to be out for the whole rest of the year as far as what i'm going to be talking about because i feel such a profound sense of the eternal finished work of god and him being in the life of every believer and every person that all we have to do is is turn to him and see him and we're unlocked 
I remember Peter, who's writing these things, who's writing um, 2 Peter 1, who's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. In Acts chapter 3, it's like right after the Pentecost and all the stuff's happening, he's going up to the, to the temple, him and, him and John, the, the two of them really. And in Acts chapter 3, they walk by a guy who's literally been sitting there probably the whole time through the days of Jesus because he was paralyzed since he was born. So Jesus has walked past this guy a lot, which I love the thought of that. Jesus seeing somebody and be like, yeah, I'm coming for you too, buddy. You know what I mean? I'm going to send one of the boys after you. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? I just love that boy, you know? Um, uh, so anyhow, you know, Peter and John were, were walking and it says fixing, Peter and John both fixed their eyes upon him simultaneously at the same time, this guy that's sitting there begging for money. And, the, and Peter speaks up and he says, hey, look at us. In other words, Peter and John both recognized him. Something clicked. We're like, they were just walking all of a sudden, whoosh, wait, what, what? And they saw the guy. And for some reason, it was just to highlight it for both of them. That's what that's saying. They both locked their attention on him. And, um, you know, they see him. And they say, look at us. Which is so, I don't like, what is it? Like, okay. <laughs> so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Started jumping around. Never walked before. It becomes a big deal. They get rocks. They, they get beat up for this. You know, we get brought him to the temple. The, the guy's parents try to sell him out. Like, we don't know how he got healed because they were so scared to, you know, to get kicked out of the church. You know, so ridiculous. But you can read that story if you want. But the reality is, this guy's sitting there asking for something, and it's just like, hey, I think we can get into this mindset. We're, we're wanting something for our next phase or for our life. If I just had this, I would da-da-da-da. And it's like, hey, no, that's not what you need. We can get so focused on what we don't have or what we're longing for, and it's like, hey, the, what you do have is right here with you right now. Connect to him. And see, what he didn't know is Peter saying, hey, I don't, have, I don't have silver and gold. But it was almost like a rewiring, hey, you're thinking about something that you need. This isn't even a money message. It's not about money, son. You know what I mean? It was just, it was like, hey, there's something different that is the answer to what you really need. Not what you want, but it's what you need. But it will unlock everything, even the things you want. It's like, hey, I don't have those things, and that's not what this is about. But Jesus Christ does this. And that's the religion. The religion that is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ heals you. He's like, oh, he does? Like that's, like, that's the slogan. And Peter uses that slogan more if we went on today, which we won't. But it's just like, that's our religion. That is the real truth. It is the reversal of the effects of the fall. And this dude's ankles start popping and snapping because they come together and they're strengthening them. You know what I mean? I had a cast for like... I had a reconstructive surgery on a foot one time. My leg got so skinny, y'all. It looked like a dang peg leg. <laughs> if you put a cast on something, it's like that thing withers down, dude. What do you think this dude's leg looked like? Never walked before. A couple double pegging, double pegs. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then he's hopped up and got some calf muscles on that boy. You know what I mean? He's got some big old, you know, some hearts on the back of them legs. <laughs> got some, you know, tibialis and... All that, some quads and, you know, VMOs, uh, all that, all that musculature is coming out. And they're like, whoa, he looks a little different. It's like, yeah, man. It's, as, it's almost as if that, 
the curse of the fall that gripped him in his mom's womb never gripped him before. Man, that's it. That's the point of the day, really. I mean, I didn't use the message, but it's, it's, it's literally about actively walking in the direction of the Lord and choosing to come into agreement with His Word and even walk in obedience and faithfulness, no matter what's happening. Because it might be something He's called you to do, but in walking out what He's called you to do, it's also going to be confronting those things that are holding you back, that you're avoiding. You know what I mean? And I speak as the president of that club. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? By doing what you're called to do, you simultaneously are weeding your garden of the things that aren't supposed to be there. You know? And the more it happens, you know, old Peter, old cussing Peter, you know, saying cuss words, you know, old denying cussing Peter, you know, solving all. But by actually choosing to follow the Lord, they came out of all that old identity that was plaguing them. And it wasn't a surprise to God. There was no condemnation, but it, they needed to see what was in their own heart in order to realize, hey, step out of that old lineage. It's not you. It's not you. Yeah, man. Faithfulness, follow through, agreement with the word, taking thoughts captive. This stuff is not just like little memory verses. This is our life. But the whole world depends on it. There's a people that are going to believe the Bible and the finished work, and they're going to embody it and live it. And it's going to shake the whole world. Not when one or two. I mean, when bodies of people do, it will shake reality. It's going to be incredible. And we're called to step into it. And I don't feel like it has to be a long way away. You know? Yeah. God was dealing with stuff in my heart, you know, ever since starting a church. and I'm not that guy. You're not that guy, pal. Anybody? You know? I'm not that guy, pal. You know? Like, oh, I like to be on a camera. I want my voice on a microphone or be in front of a crowd or like, ooh, like put out a podcast, all these things. Like, I'm not him. I, I, I'm way more insecure than that, to be honest. Not confident with that stuff. Don't like to do it. Don't want to be associated with the type of people that do it. Religious stuff and all this thing, you know. Um, but when the Lord started calling me out to even putting more things out, it was a wrestling match or a wrestling match, depending on how you say it, the Greek way you say it. But um, there was a lot of wrestling going on there, and it was wrestling with my own insecurities and fears, to be honest. I didn't like it. It was very uncomfortable. And um, kind of like cussing Peter, I was cussing DT in a dream that I had. Um, you know, I was in this mode where God came and he spoke to me so directly. It was actually out loud. Um, about putting things out, and I was so scared to do any. I did not like, I still don't like to be on the video. I don't like to, you know. Even when we did the podcast, I was like, hey, we'll, we'll record one a month. We'll put one a month out, but I'm not doing more than that. You know what I mean? And it's always under the guise, like, hey, I'm building something here. We're building something. If people value it, they can come here and they can get this teaching, but I'm not going to just put it out and give people an excuse to not come to church and just listen to it all the time. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's there, but a lot of it's just insecurity, too. And people are going to try to pick up out what you say. And they're going to da-da-da-da. And um, the Lord spoke to me so directly. So I'm wrestling and I'm choosing to be obedient, even though it's uncomfortable and it's bringing up all these fears and all these wounds of the past where I've been humiliated publicly, even as like a little kindergartner, just all kind of random things in my subconscious coming up and trying to steer the well. It's going to happen again. You're going to be humiliated. You're going to be made fun of. You're going to be talked bad about. You're going to be looked at as this. You know, all that stuff's happening. And even when I first started walking this stuff out and breaking that stuff, 
I had this dream where I was with Nicole and even some family members at this very large church where I was given a platform. And the leaders of the church and of the place, I knew they really didn't want me to have the microphone, but they had to let me have it. Because they, you know, prophetic ministry, the whole bipolar God, all these things that I am, I have been made and created to, to bang bang on, you know what I mean? They didn't, they didn't like that. And so it was the Lord actually allowed me to see where some of the opposition actually comes from, but that he's created a space for me. And in the dream, I became so angered when it was time for me to go up. Even Nicole's like, hey, it's time for you to go up, that I started cussing and like being manifesting like fear and anger, getting frustrated, like I don't want to do this, like I was being forced. But it was just fear coming out of my heart. This is in 20, I think this is 2018. And um, I finally said, okay. You know, because I've dealt with so much shame and looked at as such a bad guy, which golly, think about Peter and Paul writing these things, how they must have felt, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm looked at, you know, even from where I'm from in my hometown, it's just as rough kind of a, you know, you know, this not a good, he's a minister now, like what? No way for real. You know, that's a, uh, that's kind of a, a good impersonation of a reaction you get there. But anyhow. I, I was called to go up and stand in front of this, this large crowd, a lot of people from my past and stuff. And when I went up to the church to walk all the way up to this podium where I was going to speak with this other minister who had to give me the mic, I realized I wasn't wearing a shirt. Great. I have no shirt on. I'm pretty heavily tattooed under this. You know, you guys, some of you know that. Unfortunately, they're not the great. It's, it's, it's great. I've had some laser work and all that, but anyhow. Uh, yeah, and cover-ups, you know, it's one of those type of things, okay. Um, but I'm like, great. I, I realize not only am I freaking out and frustrated, and then I'm saying bad words before I, at the table, like, I don't want to bleep and do it. And then I do it, and then I feel like, I can't believe, then I'm in shame, I can't believe I just said, I was cussing, like, what is wrong with me? Like, what's coming out of my heart? Like, why am I so freaked out, you know? Then I realize, like, oh gosh, you're all, you have no shirt on. It's like, that's him. And I knew everyone's going to be like, that's Dan Turner. We remember him. He's just rage against the machine. He respects nobody. He's just up there. He's like, yeah, like, yeah, what, you know. And I'm not that way, but everyone thinks I'm that way. And now I'm walking up with a shirt off, you know, like, great. And I get up there, and the guy's obviously really nervous for me to speak. Um, but he had to allow me. And... Um, but I get up there and I look down on the chair on the stool where I was going to sit because I always sit when I talk, you know, and they had, there was a stool there for me. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And on the stool was folded up several shirts, T-shirts there for me. And this lady, she was an artist, which I, I know is God's heart for our place because I know that he's an artist. But there was this lady named Miss Aljo at this summer rec, summer recreation camp that I used to work at. And I used to go to when I was a little kid at my parents' church. Um, but it was, you know, it was open to everybody in the town. It was a pretty big deal. Um, but she would make these Christian t-shirts because she was an artist, and they were so nerdy and so cheesy. Like, God made you to win, and, and a picture of an eagle, like, God is the wind beneath my wings. And then the scripture of Isaiah 40 would be under it or something. Like, they'd be so awkward, but honestly, the, now they would probably be really cool. People would like them because they look all weird and retro. But back then they were like super nerdy, you know? And um, if you worked at the summer rec, they would give you the shirts. But I, I became a Christian for real in those summer years when I was going off to, to college and stuff. So when I would come back and I started working that summer rec, 
I was proud to wear them because I knew everybody in town didn't know who I really was anymore. But I would wear these nerdy Christian shirts and I'd wear them all the time because it's Florida. So you don't really wear a shirt where most places you go, to be honest. So anyways, that's another thing. It's 90s. Um, but anyway, so I'd wear those shirts all the time. Miss Aljo's shirts. And so, and, um, but the thing about Miss Aljo, of all the summer recreation programs, and I was the PE coach when I was coaching there, and so I'd always wear the shirts, and the staff would have to wear the shirts. Um, but Miss Aljo was the art teacher of the school, but also of the summer rec program. But she led more kids to accepting Jesus as their savior than anybody I've known. And because at that school, she, would t- she taught me how to draw a palm tree when I was five years old. I mean, she did all these things and sh- it was an art class and it wasn't uh, Christian, but, but she would always say, would anybody like to ask Jesus in, into their heart to make him the Lord of their life? And at the end of summer rec, every kid that raised his hand, she would take out and she would pray with them in the little hallway and she would gift them a Bible at the end of summer rec. And there would be like 30 to 50 kids every year that did it, at least every year from the time that I was a little boy to the time when I was like 18, 19, uh, 20 working there on the summers. She always did that. Hundreds of people that she talked to about the Lord is brilliant. And nobody really knew. She's the art teacher. She wasn't the Bible teacher or anything like that. And uh, so, so beautiful. Um, but I looked in the chair when I walked up in this dream, back to the dream, and I see these folded up shirts and they're Miss Aljo's shirts. And I hadn't seen her in 20, 15 years, probably 20, you know, something like that. I mean, she, you know, and I see Miss Aljo's shirts folded up in that chair and something came over me that I knew this has been prepared for you. You're covered, man. This shame you feel and, oh, they look at me as this, or I'm raging against the machine, or I'm not like anybody else. All these fears and all these insecurities, and now I'm all the way open. It's like, hey, you're free to be vulnerable and be yourself, and I've got you covered. And I looked at the stool that was sitting there for me, and I put the Aljo shirt on. And when I did, I looked out in the crowd, and this is so beautiful, but the, the crowd was so, there's so many people. Um, but there was what almost looked like a trench at the bottom to where you, to where you would kind of, like a trench, that like you couldn't cross over it. But this little old woman stepped out to the front of the trench, and it was Miss Aljo, and she held her hand up like this. Like a gang sign, but it was I love you. <laughs> I looked down and I saw those shirts, and I instantly felt that God, like, hey, I prepared this place for you. I have you covered in this. You feel so insecure to step up and to lead and to, be, and to put yourself out, but I'm asking you to do it, and I've got you covered. And it was directly coming against all those fears and insecurities that I was manifesting by being obedient with his word and cultivating in my garden. A lot lot was going on in my garden was dealing with issues, uprooting old things, uprooting shame and stuff that these guys in the Bible are writing. Don't let it rob you. Don't Don't turn your light down, man. You're not who you once were. And that's the beauty of it all. And I saw that shirt and I looked at that front row and I saw this little curly head, old gray haired lady with her hand straight up above her head in the I love you symbol with a straight face looking at me from far away, you know, 20, 30 or, <coughs> 30 or 40 yards away from me down there. Boom. Just hold it up. Straight face. I love you. And as soon as I saw her, I knew heaven was with me. I knew heaven was with me and she was with me. And the confidence hit me like, oh, I've been given this place. There's more with me than there is against me. All this shame in it. And it just fell off of me. And man, I woke up that next morning and I went to look up Miss Aljo online and I typed her in. Uh, 
Google or whatever, and Miss Aljo passed away a couple months before that on my birthday. On my birthday. And it blew my mind. Because I knew, and I've had experiences like, I've had experience with the cloud before and stuff like that. I know that's a lot for some people, but I've had experience with certain people from the cloud. I knew that she was there. I knew that she was in she was with the heavenly cloud. I knew it, but I, I didn't think she was, I didn't know she would passed away. I thought she might be, it was a symbol or maybe some, an angel or whatever, but it was like, that was her. And it's like, I felt that was her and she knew me and I knew her and she was cheering me on like, Hey, you're covered, buddy. You're loved. And that's the reality, man. That's the reality for all of us. Anyways, I don't know if that really works. It's not the message, but the message is this. And the message is this. We are breathed of God. We are the dust of Eden. We've been created to cultivate the seeds of God the words of heaven in such a way that our garden is a heavenly garden on the earth. We're not only called to this, we're called to walk in the authority that we command it in other vessels as well. But part of walking in that authority is cultivating it in our hearts in the here and now. Our mind coming to full agreement with everything that Jesus and everything that the Bible speaks, that's the word of God, that's the word of the Lord. You know what I mean? Not ignoring the shame, not ignoring the discomforts, not ignoring the inflammation in our life. Instead of grabbing those things by the roots, instead of just pushing some more dirt over it because it's going to keep growing, pulling that thing up by its roots and breaking our agreement with it and not allowing it to choke up the seeds because the seeds have been given to us and if we cultivate, we've been promised. Right? We've been promised in Mark 4. Like, you're going to go to sleep day and night, that thing is going to grow. First the staff, the sickle, the to the head, you know, you know, you know how it goes, you know that order, but it's like bang, then it's harvest time. It's like, hey, we are we are made to produce this otherworldly fruit. Yeah. And our job is to cultivate it and to believe. Only believe. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word, which is true. We thank you for um even those who have gone before us, like Miss Aljo, you know what I mean, who had a heavenly vision of bringing people artistically, bringing people into relationship with you, Lord. And And I thank you for the covering that you have for all of us and the beautiful seeds of life that you've sowed into all of us and all those that even still remain. Lord, I ask that we would be a people that walk in the maturity of cultivating all of this reality, of weeding out the thoughts and cares, the the shame, the accusation, all those things of removing those from our garden because you've called, called and caused something to grow within us that's eternal, that heaven would be planted in the earth. Amen. Thank you.